Okay, we're going to preach from Genesis 6 this morning, so if you have your Bibles, open up. Who knows what's in Genesis 6? Oh, good one, Kathy. Yell it out if you think you know. Noah! Yeah, we're talking about Noah. I love Noah. Is that going to be weird for me to say, Noah, up there, that I love you? I do love you, bro. All right. We're going to read from from Genesis 6. We're going to start in 7. If you don't have Bibles, it's on the screen for you. Then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. It's a little harsh, God. Noah, however, found favour. Everybody say favour. Everybody say grace. Noah found favour with the Lord. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Everybody say righteous man. Blameless among his contemporaries, Noah walked with God. Everybody say Noah walked with God. And Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Right. Here's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about favour. You can see like, favour's nice and bold there. And a little disclaimer, when, when we talk about favour, I'm aware that it's a little bit of a trigger word in the church. Because favour and blessing are scary words if you don't understand them. And favour and blessing sound like elitism when we don't understand them. And favour and blessing sound like riches or fancy cars or being in a relationship when we don't understand the words. So before we start, I just want to clear up what favour Noah found with the Lord. And the best way to describe this is to use the word grace. Biblically, the word grace and favour are interchangeable. Okay, they're the same They're the same word, and I'm going to prove that to you, all right? So here we have the Hebrew word for grace and favor. Where's Lisa? I really can't say it. Where is she? Lisa, can you say the Hebrew word for favor for us? Ken. Ken. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Louise, for the, you got to like get a little spit in your throat. (laughs) Ken, like that. All right, and it means grace and favor. Now, that doesn't actually... um, it means grace and, grace and favour. That doesn't actually mean a whole lot because we know that grace and favour is interchangeable. So I went digging, found the Greek word, and the Greek word is charis, or choris, charis, like that. I feel, I feel Greek. Charis. Okay, Louise, you can tell me off later. All right, so now here what the word means is it is God freely extended to give himself away to people because he is always leaning towards them. All right, down the next part, both refer to God freely extending himself. So it's actually linked to, directly to the Hebrew word. Okay, both refer to God freely extending himself, his favour and his grace, reaching or inclining to people because he is disposed to bless them or be near them. So that answers two questions. Blessing is not me being like, hashtag blessed got my car parked today. Hashtag blessed found a deal at pack and save on my chicken. Hashtag no. Blessed actually is to be in deep intimacy with God. And the Greek for blessed is to kneel. 
It's actually this position that we take on and we are blessed to be in the presence of an almighty God who allows us to be that close to him, to, who allows us to freely kneel before him as the king of kings whenever we please. That's what blessed means. And favour is when God is inclined towards us, when he's leaning in towards us. So Noah found favour with the Lord. The Lord wanted to lean into Noah because he was a righteous and a blameless man. Pretty cool, right? Now, that couldn't be said for the rest of society because we read the scripture It said that God regretted making them. Now, I personally don't want to get to heaven. And the Lord said to me, I regretted making you. (laughs) Oh, I would rather I get to heaven and he say, favoured child. Why? Because I kneel before him as the king of kings and I am blessed to be there and because he can call me righteous because of the way that I position myself. So Noah found favour or grace with the Lord. Everybody say Noah found favour. So here's what we're talking about this morning. The favour formula. I like to get people's backs up a little bit. That's a little disclaimer. I enjoy saying things that rack people up because it means I get to really see what's inside of them. So this name, the favour formula, I'm aware that some people are sitting in their seats being like, oh, she thinks she found a formula for the Lord. Mm-mm. No. And I'm over here like, mm, yeah, I did. All right, so here's what I found. Any faith greats, any people we read about in the Bible have these three things down. This is why God uses them. Not because they're the best, not because they're the most popular, not because they're great with a microphone, but because they do these three things. They are obedient. Everybody say obedient. They are willing to sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. And they are willing to step out in faith. Everybody say faith. And when God sees these three things, He is inclined to lean towards me. Because when I'm being obedient and I'm kneeling before the feet of Jesus, we have this intimacy that means I want to obey Him. So I kneel before Him and He goes, I can incline towards you because of where your position. When I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm saying to my flesh, no. No, God is greater and the promise is greater than what He's calling me to give up. And I know that because Papa is always good, I'm willing to sit before Him. And you know what? That's far easier to do when we're knelt, when we're blessed, when we're knelt before the King, because it's easy to say when He's right in front of us, I can sacrifice this. When we're not in that place, when we're out of alignment with who He is, sacrifice is scary. Sacrifice is harder and it's always going to be hard, but it's harder when you're away from the King of Kings because you can't see His face. And faith is far easier when I'm sitting in front of Jesus as well because He gets to describe this picture to me. Holy Spirit gets to prompt me. When I'm kneeling before Him, I know that He is not lying to me and that this gap that doesn't make sense to me will be filled because He and I will step into it together. And when that happens, I pull myself into alignment with favour and God can incline Himself towards me and use me. Not because I like to be the big bad wolf on stage being used, but because this world needs God to be shown and He wants to partner with me. 
He doesn't just want to do it by himself. He calls me into relationship with him in order that I may be blessed by knowing his presence so that I can bless by sharing the presence with others. This is not favour so that I can get my parking spot, so that I can get the car that I want. This is not favour so that I get everything I need and say that in Jesus' name I am blessed. This is me saying I am willing to align myself before the King of Kings. I'm willing to be obedient, I'm willing to sacrifice and I'm willing to step into faith in order that He can partner with me, in order that He can incline Himself towards me and save the nations through me. Who wants that this morning? Yeah, come on. So we're going to talk a little bit about what each of these three things mean. Okay, so obedience is submission of self-will. That's one that hurts if I'm being honest. Submit to God and be at peace with Him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Job 22, 21. Again, the word prosperity is actually about fullness of soul. It's actually about us being so intimate with God that we couldn't possibly want for anything because He is everything we need. That's what prosperity in the Scripture is talking about, directly linked to the word favour and grace. That is, that is what it means, to be full of the intimacy with the Lord. Self, submission of self-will is us saying to God, I'm willing to lay down what I thought my plans were meant to be in order that I could walk in what your plans were always for me. All right? Are we on it? You guys feeling it? That's a hard thing to do. And it's something that is, I'm not standing up here preaching saying I've got that down because that, that is the thing I struggle the most with. I'm organized, I analyze, I make plans, every I is dotted, every T is crossed, that's how I work. And so when I sit down and God says, I'm not going to share my plan with you just yet, whoo, we have some arguments sometimes. I'll admit to that. But the truth is, I have always discovered and have always found that when I step into alignment with His will, a far greater outcome than I ever could dream happens. I can't dream up these crazy stories that I have for myself. God works in crazy ways. And when we understand that He's calling us to obedience, not because He just wants you to obey, but because He wants to bless you, He wants to have favor poured out through you. When we understand that that's why obedience is a step we have to take, we understand the point of God, that He's trying to love us, that He's trying to pull us in like a good father. You know, Noah, man, Noah walked like got told. You read, read through Genesis 6 down to 15. God starts talking about Noah, talking to Noah about what he's to make, okay? And Noah, I'm sure, was a working man, probably. He had three sons. He had a wife he needed to provide for. But what God did was he called him out of his norm, and he said, I need you to make an ark for me. Most people know the story. He gives some outrageous, outrageous descriptors for what the ark should look like. Now, Noah lives in the middle of a desert, and he doesn't understand when God says to him, I'm going to flood the earth, he's going, yeah, that's cool. This, if, if Noah was me, I'm projecting. If Noah was me, I'd be like, that's pretty cool, but... Um, 
I don't understand what rain is and I don't understand what you mean by water will burst from the ground. I've never seen that and it sounds, I mean, we live in a desert so it sounds a little crazy. But Noah, Noah doesn't, well, it's not recorded that he argues with God. He just, it just says, verse 22, verse 6, 22, and Noah did this, he did everything that God had commanded him. He built an ark in the middle of the desert in order that God could save a family and his creatures to repopulate and replenish the earth. He didn't have to do that. God could have flooded the whole thing and started again and been like, well, hopefully Yvette doesn't eat the apple this time. But he didn't. He didn't because Noah was walking righteously. He was obeying God's will. He was sacrificial and he was faith-filled. And because of that, God leaned towards him and said, I have found favor with you, Noah, and with your family I will repopulate the earth. All the generations that stand on this earth will come through you and from you, my righteous son. That's, no, that's Noah. Now, I don't think in Noah's story this was his will. I don't think he was lying in bed one night and went, I could build an ark, you know. It would be huge. It would take all my time. It would take all my resource. It would take me, you know, walking to chop down trees every day. And yeah, it would be a fun venture. I don't think that was in his plan. But God was in his plan and Noah was in God's plan. So God inclined himself towards him and used him. Obedience looks like giving up self-will in order that we could take on the will of God. Yeah? Yeah? All right, you with me, guys? Now, it looks like submitting before the Father. We, would, we saw that word submit in Job 21, 22. I just want to clarify. Submission is not this worldly thing that we've called it. Because my back arcs up when I hear the word submit. Because I'm over here being like, I am a woman. I have a voice. You will not oppress me. Right? That's me. True story. Okay? But actually, what God's saying is the biblical definition of submission is yielding ourselves before him in order that he could be in control. It's not oppressive. It's not weak to be submitted before the Father. It is not just for women, men. It is not just a biblical principle for women. Fun fact. It's not passive aggressive. It's not something that we just do because I'm like, oh, fine, God, you're going to punish me? Fine, I'll submit. Here we go. Mm-mm. You'll hear this later. Heart trumps always. So if I'm not submitting in my heart of hearts, doesn't count. It's not unjust and it's not fear based or fear driven. That's not what submission is. In Job, when he's talking about submission of self-will, submit to God and be at peace with him, in this way prosperity will come to you, he's talking about yielding to God in order that he would incline himself towards us so that our soul would be filled with the intimate love of Jesus. That's what this verse is saying. Yeah? You with me still? Okay. Not any of those things. The biblical definition of this is to reflexively obey. Oh, that's a hard word. We're not just talking about obedience now. We're talking about reflexive obedience. That is, when God asks me to do something, I am to do it rather than to ask why first. That's a word for some of us. 
for me, reflexively obey. Parents, imagine if your kids reflexively obeyed you. If they just were like, yes, mum, I will make my bed right now. Hospital corners and everything. Imagine, imagine. Reflexively obey. It is to yield control. It is to give Holy Spirit way to, to bring us back into alignment with him. All right. Obedience. God spoke, Noah did. Genesis 6, 13, 22. Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. That's the scriptures we just read. When God spoke, Noah did. He reflexively obeyed. He was a righteous man. He was, he was studied and disciplined in the ways of obedience. He reflexively obeyed and God was able to incline himself towards him. Now there's a second part to this. Noah spoke and his sons did. God didn't speak to the sons. God spoke to Noah and Noah spoke to his sons. Imagine telling your sons you had to get on an ark and give up everything you've ever known, bring your wife with you, but everything you've ever known is gone now because God spoke to me as the father of this house and that's what we're doing. And his sons had a choice because God is good and he's a God of free will. We have to decide to love him, decide to obey in what he's and participate in what he's doing. But his sons, Noah's sons, reflexively obeyed. They got on the ark and through them the nations were born. We have a father in this house his name is Phil. He's our senior pastor. I like, the, I like the title father more. And God's called him to do some crazy things, to build an ark in the middle of desert and tell people that the rains are coming when they've never seen them. I get it. I get it. I get that it's hard when he's talking like, we're going to do all of these things. And I'm like, mm. That's a little outrageous, if I'm being honest. But the truth is, I'm a daughter in this house. So when God speaks to Noah, and Noah speaks to me, my faith has to be bigger than the person I'm standing in front of. And I have to believe that God has already spoken to him as the father, and that I'm called to pull myself into alignment as a son in this house. Obedience is always always bigger than just listening to God. That's, that's where biblical submission comes from. It's us yielding to someone else. Not, not because we just have to lay down our life for them, but because we love them so much that we're willing and we trust God so much that we're willing to say, you've heard from God, so I'll yield to you. Noah did what God said and his sons did what Noah said. They got on the boat. Something to ponder this morning. Something that God's really highlighted in the process of putting this message together. We are sons in this house and we have a choice. We don't have to understand the rain. We don't have to understand the floods coming. But we do have a decision to make whether or not we get on the ark. Whether or not we trust that Noah's hearing from God. And I know that the father of this house... Here's from God. So I'm willing to submit before him as my senior pastor and as my dad in order that Papa 
Father God would have his way and that the nations would be blessed through me, the family. Yeah? All right. Noah and his wife couldn't have repopulated the earth without his sons. He needed his sons. The second part we get to is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Promise is always the partner of sacrifice. God doesn't ask us to give something and say nothing in return. Most often in my life, always, the promise has either preceded or superseded what he's asked me to do. So, hey Ash, I'm calling you to this. Me, that sounds nice. Okay. I'm asking you to give up this and lay it down in order that you could see the promise fulfilled. That's what sacrifice is. And we don't give to get, but God is so good that he wants to give us when we give to him. All right, so Genesis 6, 17 to 18, but I will establish my covenant. So God is just, in 6, 17, God has just basically told Noah the world's ending. Understand that I'm bringing a flood, floodwaters on earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. Everybody say covenant and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife and your sons' wives. And then he lists that he's also to bring to every creature. God asked him to give up something and told him the world was ending. That's a fairly major sacrifice. But then promise in return was that there'd be unbreakable covenant between Noah and the father. There was promise. There was promise of newness. There was promise of new life. There was promise that God would restore the nations through Noah and his family, but it was going to cost him something first. And it probably cost more than just getting, getting on the ark. I can imagine that in the time, there would have been people making fun of Noah. There would have been people ridiculing his family. There would have been people suggesting to them that they are crazy to pour all of their resource into an ark in the middle of a desert where they cannot have a towboat come and pull them into the ocean. They would have been ridiculed for what they were doing. Noah had to sacrifice multiple things in order to see the promise that God had for him but the truth is the promise was always greater than the sacrifice was God had said he would restore the nations through Noah and his sons I don't know a, I don't know a greater promise than that I would give up anything genuinely I would give up anything to do that to get to heaven and look around and see these faces that were there because I was willing to sacrifice something something that hurt at the time something that felt big at the time, but not as great or not as big as the number of faces that I saw standing before me because the nations were restored in an intimate relationship with God. Sacrifice is worth it because it always partners with promise and God is good like that. Heart always trumps in sacrifice. 6-9, these are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. His heart was for God. That's what's recorded. That's the first recordings of Noah himself is that he's a righteous, blameless man and that he walked with God. That tells me that his heart was for him, that his heart was ready to accept any challenge, any promise that God was willing to give. Noah was favored because God wanted to incline towards him. Why? Because Noah inclined towards him. 
Noah inclined himself towards the Lord, remained in obedience, remained willing to sacrifice and wanted to step out in faith and God was able to use him because of that. Heart always trumps. Classic thing in the church is talking about tithing, right? Give 10%, give your first fruits. If you do that, kudos to you for being obedient. But as we saw with Cain and Abel, heart matters most. It's not about how much. It's not about how good. It's not about when. It's not about in comparison to somebody else. God is looking for heart. It sacrifices. It costs something for me to give up my first fruits to the Lord. But the truth is, he is always good and he's given me everything Why couldn't I give him back 10%? Why couldn't I give him back 50%? The truth is heart matters in this case. It always matters. God is not waiting to see the greatest performer. He's not waiting to see the person who signs a check for a million dollars first. He's looking for the one who gave of their little because their heart was before the Lord and they were knelt before him and they knew that everything that was in their palm, the little that was in their palm, was God's anyway. So I'm going to give it back to him because that's what stewarding looks like. That's what blessing the Father looks like. I'm inclined to kneel in order that he could incline himself before me. That's when we see favour. Are you with me? All right. Noah was not the most powerful, not the most resourced, not the most influential, not the most popular or well-meaning or handsome. These are lies that the enemy uses on us all the time. Ash, I'm calling you to this. Oh, are you though? Because I don't know. Someone else. Kathy would be better at that. Kathy would be... Ash, I've called you. Kathy would be better at that though. She's got more money. She's like more influential. She's more popular. Like Kathy would be better. And God's like, um, I've called you. Noah, I've called you. Noah wasn't a king. Noah wasn't sitting in some righteous government. Mm-mm. Noah was a hardworking, righteous man raising his family and he was called and he used what he had. And God gave him what he didn't. Because that's how good God is. We have to remember that sacrifice is not just for the most important people. It's for us. It's for every single one of us. He was chosen because he was righteous. He was faithful. He was obedient. He was willing. He was positioned. Remember, we come back to that word bless. When you're knelt before the king, that's a position. It's not passive, it's active. I'm kneeling before him. That is why Noah was chosen. Knelt before the king, he found favour and grace. God could incline himself towards him. Faith is our last part of our favour formula. Everybody say faith. Faith is fathers, faith is sons, and faith in my papa. This is what we were talking about before, right? Faith as fathers looks like willing, looks like willing to lay yourself down and build an ark in the middle of a desert to save the nations because you're the dad and God's going to do something through you. You're a father. You're a mother. 
you lead the way. Your children will listen to you and submit themselves before you in order that God could bring something. That's one thing. Faith as sons is a different thing because it has to supersede the dad that's in front of you. It's easy to fight with God when someone in front of you in the flesh is asking you to do something and you don't feel like it. They must not be hearing from God. They must be with the fairies all the time, I swear, because they just come up with the craziest things. You know when you're a kid and you constantly ask your parents why? That was me. I was a why child. I never did anything the first time I was asked. I was a why kid. And I would often, (laughs) mum would ask me to do something and I'd be like, "Mm, nah. And she'd be like, you just wait until your dad gets home. (laughs) Right? And I'd be like, I'm doing it. I'm going. Because I was was like, had a healthy fear of dad, you know, because he was going to come home and lay the law. Mum wasn't so scary. It's easy when mum's standing in front of us and she asks us to do something and we're like, "Mm, she's crazy. And then dad comes into the picture. Papa comes into the picture. God comes into the picture because remember I'm knelt before him and he goes, actually, I spoke. Yeah, gotcha. On it, going right now. And not only have you disrespected mum in the process, but you've actually dishonoured papa now because you've decided that he couldn't possibly speak through someone else. He just has to speak to you. But submission, yielding to God, not only looks like yielding before the Father, but yielding before the fathers and the leaders that he's placed before us. And that's a hard pill to swallow in my life. That's a hard pill to swallow. But the truth is, because the sons obeyed, the nations were restored. (laughs) Noah didn't father any more people. That's not how it worked. The scriptures are very clear about that. Noah didn't father people. His sons fathered people. But God didn't speak to the sons. God spoke through Noah, and they had a choice. Do I listen to Dad, who sounds crazy, who's building an ark in the middle of nowhere, in a place where rain never comes? Do I listen to him because he's probably nuts? Mm, He's Dad. And the truth is, Noah probably modelled their whole lives what faith and obedience and sacrifice looked like. When you go looking to see what someone's character has proven rather than to disprove what they're saying, you realise that God is speaking to them and is leading them and we want to get on the boat. And through it, the sons saw provision and favour. God inclined themselves, inclined, and inclined himself towards the sons because the father was obedient. His sons restored the nations. His sons are all of our genealogies. I wouldn't be standing here if Shem, Ham and Japheth didn't get on the ark but they did. They were obedient. They were willing to sacrifice their whole life and everything that it looked like in order that God could restore the nations through them. Favour 
is for all of us. It's not for the chosen. It's not for the few. God wants to incline himself towards every single one of us. He wants to give to us of himself because he desires personal relationship with us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to kneel before the throne and raise our hands and say, God, I don't get it, but I know you and you are bigger than anything I don't understand. You are bigger than what my comprehension would allow for. Your promise is greater than the sacrifice. Your promise is bigger and greater. Your love covers the gap when I'm stepping out in faith and something doesn't make sense. Faith never promised to be something we'd understand. And the truth is when we step into a space where we're willing to accept faith as our norm, God will continually grow us. Because he's standing here and he goes, Ash, I'm calling you out. We step out together. Whoa, look at that. I'm one step further ahead than where I was. Hey, Ash, I know you just did that. Now I'm calling you out. It's a bit of a bigger step. You want to jump out? I'll come with you. I'm scared, God. I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. But remember how much I love you? Remember that I actually gave my son up for you? That's how much I love you? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Whoa. Whoa. I'm further ahead. And, and the truth is, God is so good that he's not going to call me out to something that I can't, can't quite do yet. You know, when you're kids and you're in the pool, God reminded me of this picture, you know, when you're little and your dad jumps in the pool, it was always my dad anyway, and you'd stand on the edge and he would say, jump, and you'd jump from the edge into the pool. And when you're really little, he's literally right at the edge, <laughs> you know, and you think you've made this tremendous jump and the world is applauding you and you're actually like, you know, you just stepped. But dad, dad and mum react like it's the greatest thing you've ever done. Yes, Ash, I'm so proud of you. Good job, good job. And then the next time, dad takes a step back and goes, now jump. Can you jump? Oh, I'm freaking out. Do you trust me? Yeah, I trust you. Okay, come on then. Hands are out. Hands are always out. Papa's hands are always out. Yeah, his hands are behind his back going, oh, let's play a game of chicken. Wonder if I'll flick my hands out this time. Hands are always out. He goes, jump, jump, jump. I do it. Yeah, Ash, good job, good job, yes. Dad takes another step back. Before you know it, he's halfway up the pool, right? You get to the age where he's literally halfway up the pool and when you jump, you've got to swim a little bit, but you know he's always there and he's not going to let you drown, He's not like that. It's not a fun game to him to see how long you can drown for. That's not fun, okay? God is calling us into a space where we continually step into faith gaps because it's how we grow. It's how I get comfortable in the water. And Papa cheers for us. Ash, I'm calling you to this. I step out and he's like, yes, my girl. Yes, yes, big kiss on the cheek. You did it, you did it. And then my confidence goes through the roof. You're right, I did it, I did it, I did that. That's what faith looks like with Papa. It's not, it's not some scary thing where he's waiting for you to drown. 
Sacrifice is not him going, I wonder how long she can live on the streets for. It's not like that. It's him saying, Ash, I've got everything. Show me your heart. Give back to me what I've given you and I'll show you the cattle on a thousand hills because that's how good I am. Obedience is him loving. It's him loving me. When he calls me into a space of obedience and reprimands me for something, and he does because he's a good God, just like our dads, they tell us off, our mums, they tell us off, not because they like telling us off, but because they want us to grow. They want us to be mature adults. They want to teach us things that we will then teach our children. Obedience is about positioning ourselves before God, saying, you know better than I do, so let me call myself into alignment with that. Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord as a righteous man because he was faithful, he was obedient, and he was willing to sacrifice everything he'd ever known. Are you willing to be obedient beyond comprehension, sacrifice beyond understanding, and step into a faith gap that seems a little too big right now? Noah is not the only man in the Bible who operated in these principles. Every faith great we read of did these three things. Esther, Ruth, David, Joseph, Paul, the disciples. They sacrificed something. They were obedient and they were willing to step out in faith. And it wasn't always easy. We, I love reading through the parables of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John because, oh man, the disciples say things that I would. You know, and they, they seem just as clueless as I am. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, we're all humans, but Jesus is trying to teach us something. God doesn't require us to know everything or necessarily even be able to paint the picture that he wants, that he's trying to show us. He just wants us to trust him enough that we're willing to step off the boat like Peter did. Eyes on you, Ash. My eyes are on you. Papa God's standing out. Ash, jump, jump. You can do it. You can do it. And how far he's standing is dependent on who we are and our relationship with him, not how far Jackson was standing before me. God doesn't say to me, Jackson can jump this far, so I'm going to stand here. He goes, oh, Ash, yeah, yeah, I know, I know every hair on your head, so I know where we're at. I know where we're at, so I'm just going to, here you go. Here you go, sweetheart. Now you can jump. And one day you'll jump as far as Jackson. All right? You can do it. We'll start here. We'll start here. That's how good God is. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord and the nations were restored through him because of his obedience, because of his faith and because of his sacrifice. Why don't you close your eyes this morning?
And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all future generations. I have placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. God wants to establish a covenant with you. That is a promise, a vow. And it might require some obedience, might require some sacrifice, and it's definitely going to require some faith. But the truth is, promise and covenant with God is far greater than any of those costs. Hink, do you want to come and play some keys for us? I just feel we're to minister in this space. It's a safe space. It's not a shameful place. It's not a space of comparison, and it's definitely not a space of fear. God's love is far bigger than our greatest fear. So we're going to pray this morning. We're going to ask Father God, Papa, is there something that I'm doing in my life that's disallowing you to lean in towards me? Not because sin is too great for your love, but because I'm not positioned to kneel and be blessed before you. Papa, is there something that I'm doing that is disobedient or out of alignment with who you are and what you've called me to do? Because it's scary. Papa, is there something that you're asking me to sacrifice, something that you're asking me to give up in order that I would further be towards you and you could incline yourself towards me? It feels like a lot. Papa, it feels like I'm giving up a lot. But I know that your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And I know that your word says that you care for the birds of the air and how much greater you would care for me. So it, it feels scary, but I'm going to give up what you've asked me to because I know that the promise is so much greater. Papa, I'm standing on the edge of the pool. How high, how far are you asking me to jump? It's scary. I'm not used to the water. I can't really swim. I'm scared I'm going to drown. But, but Papa, I know you're standing there with your arms out, so I'm going to do it anyway. What gap are you asking me to step into? Holy Spirit, I can see you standing on the edge of the pool cheering me on. Such a great mum so excited for me 
I can hear your cheering. Okay, I can do it. I can jump. God, I'm going to need you to catch me. It's okay. It's okay, Ash. I'm right here. I'm catching you. Father God is asking you to deal with something this morning. I'm opening up the altar as a safe place. I know that um, sometimes we have to repent of having a rebellious spirit or a disobedient spirit. We need to repent. Sometimes we need to repent of taking control. Sometimes we need to repent of believing the lie that God only chooses some and not all. We need to repent of not believing that Papa's in the water to catch us. We need to renounce the lie that he wouldn't catch me. We need to renounce the lie that he likes to watch me drown or fumble and saves me at the last minute. Those aren't truths. And what we need to pick up in place of that is the truth that God is always best when in control. That he requires obedience not just for sakes of obedience, but in order that we would see favour. And we need to believe the lie that God loves me more than what I could possibly imagine. And when he calls me out into something, it's not to test me, it's to grow me. I had a prophetic word for someone here this morning that you'd said to God before you came, unless God specifically spoke to you this morning, you wouldn't be coming back. This is God speaking to you. That unless He specifically spoke you out and called you out for your thoughts, that you don't really believe in Him. This is Him speaking. God says to you, I am here. I see your doubt and I'm okay with it. I love you. You're called into my house and I want to minister to you. If that's you, I want you to come and find me at the end of the service. You don't need to come up in front of everyone. God's not asking you to do that. He doesn't like doing that. He needs He needs you to be safe. So if that's you this morning and you said to God, mate, I'm gonna need you to specifically talk to me this morning and call me out. Otherwise, I don't think you're real. Come and find me. Because He's talking and His love is so big for you. If you need to come and lay something before the altar, do it. Be courageous. Be bold. The truth is, every one of us should be up here. It's not a judgment space. Noah had to step out. 
If you need to give up something this morning, if you need to repent of a lie, if you need to pick up a new truth, if you need to know the goodness of the Father, meet Him here. We're just going to sit here. We're just going to sit and we're going to enjoy the presence of God. We're going to incline ourselves towards Him in order that He could bless us as we kneel before the throne.